No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that Moses delivers the law to the priests. He then gives the children of Israel a song as a witness against them when they turn away from God. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 31 on Simply the Bible. I have always loved music. When I was five years old, I remember putting the soundtrack of Mary Poppins on my record player and pretending that I was conducting the orchestra. My mom was a pianist, and I started playing trumpet in fifth grade. I don't consider myself to be a songwriter, but I appreciate good songwriting. Today, we consider a song in the Bible, a song written by Moses for the children of Israel just before he died. If only we knew the tune. We pick it up in Deuteronomy 31, 23. Then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for ye shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to them, and I will be with you. It was one thing for Moses to inaugurate Joshua. It was something else for the Lord to do it himself. If we know that God has called us to do something, then how can we fail? God's presence is with us, giving us all the strength we need to fight any battle. Verse 24. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book, when they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? The Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone was placed inside the Ark of the Covenant. The Book of the Law was probably Deuteronomy, which was then placed next to the Ark. It would be a witness against them because of their failure to keep it. Do you understand that this is the only thing that the law can do for us? It is a witness against us because of our failure to keep it. It testifies where we all fall short of God's standard, where we have rebelled against his commands. But it also points us to Jesus Christ because he is the only one who has ever kept the law perfectly. It points to the perfect righteousness we must obtain through faith in him. As the Apostle John tells us in his gospel, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Verse 28, Gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death, you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you and evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. What was the purpose of calling heaven and earth against them? It was as if to say that everything God would do in response to their disobedience 
would be done in full view of everyone. All creation would be able to testify that God had acted justly, but they had acted unjustly. It blows my mind that just because God doesn't handle things the way people think that he should, on the time schedule that they think that he should, that they take it upon themselves to judge God. Or they have the audacity to sit in judgment over his word rather than being judged by it. What right does the clay have to talk back to the potter? In the end, when we all give an account of ourselves before God, God will be justified in all he does, even if it means proving that every man is a liar. All creation will testify that God is justified when he judges, and every word that he has spoken will prove to be true. Verse 30. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. God told Moses to write this song for they would always remember it and it would be a witness against them when they turned away from the Lord. And so the song begins. Deuteronomy 32. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. The prophet Isaiah compared the word of God to rain coming down. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. As gentle showers or morning dew water the tender seedling, so God's word gently nourishes the thirsty soul to bring forth a harvest of good fruit. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Moses refers to God as the rock about seven times in this song. That's a metaphor that carries into the New Testament as Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Upon this rock, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Everyone builds his or her life on something. Jesus said that if we will listen to his words and do what he says, then we will be like a wise man who digs down and builds his house on the rock, and no matter what life throws at us, our house will stand. Where else can we go to find perfect work, perfect justice, and perfect truth? God alone is our rock, worthy of our praise. Verse 5, they have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Now, Moses begins the testimony against Israel. Even though God had been a father to them, 
They would not act like his children, but they would corrupt themselves and turn away from his laws. Now, before we point the finger at Israel, let's check ourselves. Our legal tender says, in God we trust. But do we really trust in God? We have taken him out of the public sector of life. We've taken the Bible out of our schools. We aren't making and interpreting laws based upon the word, but everyone does what is right in his own eyes. But he is our father who established us and blessed us above all nations. Isn't it foolish for us to treat him this way? The only cure for a crooked and perverse generation that has lost its way is repentance. Verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. I must confess, I don't understand how to interpret these verses. In some way, God set the boundaries of the nations according to the number of the children of Israel. That's how highly God regards his chosen nation. They are his inheritance. Verse 10, he found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Where was Jacob when God found him? He was in the wilderness running for his life from his brother Esau. God encircled him as a mother hen wraps her wings around her chicks. God instructed him in his ways. He kept Israel as the apple of his eye. The apple is the pupil. Several years ago, I had a detached retina and it took three surgeries to save my left eye. But let me tell you, you will do almost anything to preserve your eyesight because it is so valuable. Our natural reflex is to protect our eyes. That's how much God protected Israel. And it's how much he protects you who trust in his son. For you are also the apple of his eye. Verse 11, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. What a beautiful picture this is. The little eaglets are comfy, cozy in the nest. No doubt they would love to remain there and be fed by their mama forever. But one day the mama eagle stirs her nest. She knocks an eaglet out so that it must flap its wings. Down it goes, convinced that it will surely die. But just before it hits the ground, the mama eagle swoops up and catches the eaglet on her wings and carries it back to safety. Day one of flying school. Likewise, the Lord deals with us. Sometimes when we're comfy cozy, he must stir our nest. He hasn't called us to be comfortable, but to do his will. We will never soar on the wind of the spirit until we get out of the nest. So he allows circumstances that are uncomfortable. We lose our job. Suddenly we're flapping our wings, going here and there, searching for a job. We are sure that we will crash. But then he swoops up, catches us, and carries us to safety. 
How blessed are those who are led by the Lord and supported on his wings. Verse 13, he made him ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock, curds from the cattle and milk of the flock with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the choicest wheat. And you drank wine, the blood of the grapes. What marvelous blessings the Lord brought to Israel. They inherited houses they did not build, vineyards they did not plant, and fortified cities they did not construct. God brought them into the land of milk and honey and prospered them. He multiplied their flocks and herds. He gave them bumper crops so that they were fully satisfied. And what did they do? Well, you'll have to wait till tomorrow for the answer to that question. But what about us? Look how God has prospered us in this country. Almost every one of us would be considered wealthy in almost every other part of the world. And are we thankful? Do we give God praise? Do we willingly and freely share with others what God has freely given to us? May God help us to be good managers of the assets that he has entrusted to our care so that we may continue to be recipients of his gracious blessings. And may we express our gratitude to him in song. For there is no rock like our God. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll continue with this song that Moses wrote that would be a witness against Israel when they rebelled against God in the future. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.